Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Amazing Race Rewind podcast, the podcast where we go back in time to watch the earliest seasons of the Amazing Race. My name is Andrew, and with me here is Jill. We're here to discuss season one, episode three, where we lose one of Jill's favorite teams. I know it was it was quite a tragedy, but to be honest, there was a moment there where I thought I thought your team was out as well. Well, yeah, it was between Dave and Margareta and Pat and Brenda, but it seemed like Pat and Brenda were quite far behind them. Yeah, little spoilers for for anyone in the episode, but that's what happens when we lose one of our favorite teams. We are going to bring it up right in the beginning. <laughs> right at the top. And yeah, with a detour that I thought was quite ridiculous and that I did not like at all, but we'll get into that later, I suppose. I suppose. Something that we haven't mentioned before that's different from like future seasons is that in the opening credits, there's this monologue by Phil where he's like narrating over the opening credits, pretty much describing the premise of the show. I think that's because the show was new to the air, though. So if people were tuning in for the first time, it's it's quite jarring to just kind of be thrown into and you don't really yeah. understand what's going on. Obviously, now most people know what the show is. So if you turn on the TV and you put it on, you'll figure it out or you just kind of know the gist of it. But at the time, yeah. it was probably too crazy to just kind of pick up and, oh, what's this about? And I guess this was also at a time where cause I think reality TV was still a, a pretty new thing at this time. So reality TV actually developed very, very prominently and very well in the early 2000s. That was really the rise of reality TV and also just reality yeah. TV stars. That's kind of when it first started. Because I feel like, well, I don't know, again, I wasn't there, but I feel like the big, the first like really big reality show was Survivor. And that kind of kickstarted a lot of these other shows. But anyway, I, I just thought that was weird. And it was interesting to see. It's not something that I miss, although it is quite dramatic. It's intense. It's a it's it an is intense, intense first season. So we we open in Paris to what I thought was Whiplash Central with three thousand different camera angles of twelve thousand things within the span of a few seconds. <laughs> this was a very whiplashy dramatic opening. So Pat and Brenda are the first team to depart at nine oh six PM and they have to find Le Grand Rue, which supposedly translates to the big wheel. And I love, because not only them, but every team got kind of stepped up with the, not stepped up, stumped with the, what are the hours of the Ferris wheel? 9.30 a.m. to 12.30 a.m. Now, yep. I struggle with the a.m. or p.m. Do you want to know the only way I'm yeah, able to remember it? There's the One Direction album Made in the AM. <laughs> Stop and it. if I note that, there's a song called AM on the album. So if I'm ever thinking 12 a.m. or p.m., what is midnight? I remember the One Direction album. Little little hack for people if you're really struggling. A.m., made wow. in the a.m. It was done at night. Who knew One Direction was so educational? What would you do without that, really? I wouldn't know noon from my midnight. I think pretty much every team thought, oh, we're going to have to wait till the morning. They thought it was only open for like three hours. But there are four teams that get there before 12.30 a.m., and Brenda, Team Guido, Robin Brennan, Frank and Margarita. They make it just barely because Frank and Margarita only started the leg at 12.18 a.m. So they only had 12 minutes to get there. But it was just down the street. Yeah, I think that Margarita, I guess, obviously speaks French. So she was able to quite quickly yeah. speak with someone and get their location. I, d I feel like having that time constraint and having people start so close to the end of that time constraint 
I don't know if that's something we would see so much of nowadays, because obviously, you know, the show is planned down to a T before anything is shot. Anybody goes anywhere. I was, this is maybe, we'll do some research on this later, but I was even reading that the contestants get tons of visas and visas for countries they may need, may not ever need. Yes. Yeah. I think I like saw the same thing as you because they were, I was reading something, I don't remember where, but they were talking about teams just had to get like 40 visas just, just to throw them off of where they were going. But yeah. Anyway, what was my point there? My point there was that the show would, you can just, it's one of those other things where you can see that it's still in its infancy of planning. Because nowadays, the weight, I feel, would be more intentional to divide the teams. Here, it just seemed really quite unfair, and there was distinct advantages between teams. Although it was, they were kind of equalized in the end because the museums and the beach were both opened at 10 a.m. That was another thing. It's, there were two, again, very different tasks, but I don't like that one of them kind of intentionally was there to trick you. You know, one was yeah. very straightforward, go up these stairs, it's strenuous, but it's it's straightforward and you find the clue. The other one was just kind of weird. I don't know. Do you feel like that happens a lot now? The kind no. of tricking? but that, I mean, I think we yeah. can, we'll get into that a little bit later, the detour more, but yeah, they have to find the big wheel. And, but if Margarita speaks French, isn't Le Grand Rue just a translation to the big wheel? Probably, but I'd assume that it's, if I went somewhere where I spoke the language, but I, I might not necessarily know what the big landmarks are, you know, because that's not a historical landmark that we would know. Of I guess so. Country. Yeah. So it, could be, it could be anything. It could be a wheel of cheese. I guess so. Um, so yes, Kevin and Drew start at 12.27 a.m. and they realize there's no way they're going to make it because they can't get there in three minutes. So they end up taking the fast forward. Which again, seems incredibly easy other than the wait out and they slept out on the the streets to yeah. wait you go in and you ask for tea it's quite simple yeah it, it's quite simple and the thing with the fast forward is it's a risk because that you could fall behind if another team gets the fast forward before you do because you spend all this time like trying to get to the fast forward and do the task but if someone else were to go for the fast forward they would just see oh kevin and drew are sleeping outside this building so they don't lose anything from taking the risk of doing the fast forward. No, everybody, everybody except for the four teams you mentioned, even they had to wait. It was kind of a long couple yeah. hours of waiting over, really, yeah, overnight, really, till 9, 10 a.m. before anybody could continue the race. Just uh, and I mentioned that because the two the two attractions they needed to get to for their detour tasks didn't open till 9 or 10 a.m. And most of these most of them didn't get their clue until 9 or 10, 10 a.m. and yeah. it started very late. So a couple of other things that I had noted was during this opening thing, when Nancy, Nancy and Emily start, we get this emotional speech from Emily about how before this, she only knew her mom as a mom, but not really as a person. And then while this voiceover is happening, it's a scene of them nearly getting hit by a car. They're like going to look out and there's cars coming and she nearly avoid getting <laughs> rammed by this car i remember the voiceover but i didn't remember that it was edited over that yeah it was very strange and then also another thing was that we learned that dave and margaret actually had a penalty from the last leg because of the technicality yes, i was i was quite i was quite shocked they didn't mention that in the last episode yeah. typically you would mention it as the team is checking in yeah maybe they didn't even know exactly what to do in that situation so they only like assigned the penalty after the fact I don't know. I, I don't think so. My best guess would be that because this is network television and there's restricted time per episode, they looked at that footage and didn't want to waste a couple minutes with it when there was more substantial things they could have put into the episode. 
So they decided to yeah. push it to this episode and just cut this one down a bit. That would be my best guess. I guess so. Yeah, that makes sense because there was a lot going on last episode yeah. with the Lenny and Karen stuff and Kim and Leslie. But just to go over what happened here, Dave and Margareta harnessed their inner Kim and Leslie and ran straight past the room marker and the Eiffel Tower and just went directly off. And they figured out what to do from Paul, but they never actually completed the task. They just figured out what to do and left without doing the roadblock. But they never told us how long the pilot two was. It's typically an hour or something, isn't it? Yeah, I think so. But yes, yeah, the first ever Palatine Amazing Race history. Goes to your team. It does go to my team, yes. So yeah, they ended up in eight, actually. But I know in recent Canadian seasons, they've given out extremely long, like two, three-hour long penalties that are just completely detrimental to teams. For, can you give an example of what would the situation be? Or they don't want to do a task, or it's too hard or whatever. Right, I've and seen then, that before. Yeah, but I guess the... The penalty is given based on how severe the thing is, because I guess this is just a small technicality versus giving up on the task entirely. I don't know exactly how I think they're dished out. Typically with the, you know, when a team just decides we're not going to do this task and they just move on and take the penalty, typically isn't the penalty kind of equated to how long it would have taken them to complete the task or how long the average team took to complete the task? I think... I think that that was like the initial idea, but I think they ended up, I also, I don't know if this is true, but to my knowledge, I think they ended up extending it because if you just take the the time that it would have taken to do the task, then people can strategically take penalties to get ahead if other people are struggling with the task more. So I think they add time to make it longer to make people not want to quit tasks, you know, because I don't know sense. if that's great television if people aren't doing the tasks. This didn't seem to be too harsh of a penalty. And then also at the top of the episode, Amy talks about this, but I can't imagine how disorienting it must be to be a part of this race time-wise with the different time zones starting at 3 a.m. being on plans for a large amount of time. Which you never consider, obviously you consider how exhausting the physical race would be, but just you have no concept of where you are. And I mean, in the span of a couple yeah. of days, really, this is maybe what, four or five days, six or seven days into maybe. the race at this yeah. point. You've been on three different continents. You've been in at least three or four different time zones. Your sleep is probably minimal because you're so jet lagged. And I mean, you might be sleeping okay because of how exhausted you are from the race. But yeah, you, you really have no concept of the outside world. No, and yeah, no sense of time either. Which is quite ironic considering this is, whole race is built around being out in the world and exploring it. I mean, obviously you're not yeah. losing that. But you're just kind of in your own bubble of time and perception. Yeah, and I feel like if I was on the race, a lot of the time, we talked about this last episode too, but I feel like it would be hard to appreciate where you are because you're just in the mindset of like, go, we need to leave and complete the task and get out of here as fast as possible. And I, again, this is something I think the race got better at either through editing or through the way they designed the tasks or the roads to get to the tasks. They just got better at allowing the contestants. But you can see in this first season, it's all go, go, go. There's no kind of moment to just sit. Because I feel like I have a couple small snippets of, you know, in the Canadian version or whatever. Your way of transportation is a boat and you get to just sit for, you know, even if it's 15 minutes down the river while you wait to get off. And once you're off, you're running. But it's just kind of nice 15 minutes to just relax. Exactly. So teams get to the Grand Rue and people end up sleeping outside of the wheel on the streets of Paris. So Paul and Amy, Lynn and Karen and David and Margareta all sleep outside the Ferris wheel in their sleeping bag in the rain. So I have a couple questions. Do they carry their sleeping bags with them at all times? Because I can imagine that taking up a lot of space in their backpacks. 
I, you know, I was gonna look into something for this week, I forgot, but I was gonna look into the official rules for what teams are allowed to carry in their backpacks. I didn't get around to it, but that's something I will definitely do for next week. But yeah, I mean, you can see with some of the sleeping bags, they look um, they look like they're the lightweight ones, the kind of foil yeah. texture. It's not foil, but the lightweight, rain-resistant, heat-insulating ones. But I can't imagine it being very... I wonder how much his backpacks weigh. Yeah, I don't know. And then also... We could, when we cut to the next day, Amy is telling Nancy about like that they've been out in the rain since 2 a.m. Oh, yeah. And then Nancy just goes, well, why didn't y'all go to the hotel? I was like, and then her Amy's expression immediately drops. And she goes, what hotel? Oh, and then, I then love we immediately that. move on from this. It's, it was so good, but there was no explanation. Like, did they get hotel rooms for the contestants, but they didn't tell everybody? Like, how did Nancy and Emily know like- that the others didn't? I feel like hotel rooms, again, might have to come out of the money that they were given for the episode. That would be my guess. But it, yeah, it wasn't very clear there. But it didn't make didn't make a lot of sense either because, you know, if you're all... Obviously, you're lined up there, you get the clues in a certain order, but you're all there anyway. So you kind of are all on the same playing, playing field, same level. I was quite confused about that, but it was a good comedic little moment where he goes, what hotel? Where she goes... Oh, but just to talk about the the fast forward again, Kevin and Drew set up camp right outside of this team shop, and I can't imagine them having their contestants sleep on the street on the streets of Paris nowadays. I can't imagine how much of how dangerous that would be, and how much of a liability that could be. Yeah, it's you. You, I mean, that's the other thing too. There's this rule of I would just keep thinking about the camera crew and the sound, or the camera guy and the sound recordist. Where are they? Are they also sleeping? Yeah. In Paris it it makes no sense I will say Kevin and Drew sleeping for the fast forward there made a little more sense because you know they've staked their claim as the people getting the fast forward so anybody else who comes just won't bother but again the fast forwards would be done very differently nowadays well yeah I feel like with the the camera people and the sound people I feel like they would have to stay there because what if something interesting happens and then they miss it you know I will say, while all of this is happening, you know, we got people sleeping by the Le Grand Rue. You've got people sleeping by the tea shop. I love that Team Guido is just in a cafe having yeah. espressos or whatever. I thought that was so nice. And honestly, that that is what I would probably do. I'd be I'd be thinking, well, we're in Paris. We've got hours. I love that. We're yeah. not going to great sleep. Let's just let's go out. Let's let's go see the city. Let's have fun. Yeah, they talk about going to their old house. It's, it's a good like little contrast of them enjoying their tea while everybody else is bowl in the rain. <laughs> it really is. But I take that as a, a lesson if I'm ever on The Amazing Race. Look for those little moments. I feel like now yeah. though, it's so curated to just you don't have 12 hours of free time like that. But... Yeah. I don't think people would have the freedom to go have a cup of tea in the middle of the race. But who knows? But good for them. Until we get on the show, we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll never know. So it's 9 a.m. They get their clues. Some of them are already at the locations they need to be. Some of them are just getting yes. the clue to send them one of two ways to the detour. And so what are our two detour options? So our two, two detour options are easy walk or tough climb. And I will say there seems to be a theme with the detour so far. And every like where there's an option that's easier but has more of a risk. And then there's an option that's seemingly harder but with a lower risk. So in episode one, we had the um, the episode one with you had the the zip line and the scary thing versus the walk, and then episode two was the you could go farther, but you're guaranteed to do this, or you could go closer, but it's more of a risk. 
And then here it's kind of the same thing where you can go somewhere that seems to be more difficult, which is a, a tough climb, which doesn't seem to be that difficult. You just climb a set of stairs or you can go to, you can have an easy walk and go to, what's it called? Focal pendulum next to a cat. But the catch is there are two focal pendulums, but only one is next to a cat. And the one next to the cat is in the Pantheon, correct? Whereas the other yes. pendulum that's not next to a cat is in... Which is an arts and science museum? Uh, arts and crafts. Museum of yes. Arts and Crafts, yes. I thought this was really stupid. It was just completely unlucky that Pat and Brenda went to the wrong museum. That was not their fault at all. How were they supposed it to know? It wasn't well planned. I like that the quote-unquote easy option was better than in episode two where everybody just kind of picked the easy option and it was really easy. Whereas here, that so-called easy option had that kind of trick element to it. But I didn't like how sneaky the trick element was. No, because they didn't know about it. They just were told to go to this pendulum and they didn't realize there were two. And they just yeah pulled pulled the fast one on Pat and Brenton and said, gotcha. Who had been waiting there for hours. Yes. And they get there and then they, they find the pendulum and they're so confused about where's the cat. And I, I think they, they ask an employee about cat? like, there a cat right here they're like i've never seen a cat here and it's not like the other teams who went to the pantheon did anything better than pat and brenda they just happened to talk to the right people to, t- to guide them to the pantheon whereas the people that pat and brenda talked to i guess guided them to the arts and crafts museum justice for pat and brenda they didn't do anything wrong Dumb luck. i feel like the luck does play a large role in the amazing race where a lot of teams get unlucky and they have a bad cab driver or it's a lot of things that are out of the hands of the production team, but this was completely in the hands of the production team. It did not no, it make any sense. I did not like that at all. But then in, in true TV fashion, they never explain how Pat and Brenda ended up getting to the Pantheon. It's just kind of, oh, they're here now, and they get the clue eventually. And we don't really see much of Pat and Brenda for the rest of the episode. It's just that we just kind of assume they're wandering around, and then eventually we see yep. them at the pit stop. But we'll get to that later. Okay, and then we have conflict at the Pantheon between Brennan and Rob and Frank and Margarita, who seem to be still like in an alliance, and then with Team Guido. Yeah, like Rob and Brennan and Dave and Margar- Margarita seem to still kind of have a good a good dynamic between the two of them. But the former third team of the alliance, they're not so friendly with. What exactly... They they all let in in a specific order. Yeah, so they agreed to go in the building in the order that they arrived. So Rob and Brennan were first, then Frank and Margarita were second, and then Team Guido were in third. So the idea was that they were going to go to the clue in the order that they arrived. So Rob and Brennan were going to go first, and then the rest were going to proceed. But when they went in the building, Rob and Brennan and Frank and Margarita went the wrong way, and Team Guido just kind of went the correct way and then ended up cutting them in line. Which I don't think was anything wrong, but it's a difficult situation because I've never been I've never been on the Amazing Race. I imagine it kind I kind of would be ticked off if you know I thought I was getting the clue first and I didn't. But at the same time, yeah, I guess it is based on your own directional skills. But I mean, was the the pendulum within sight when they went? Did they just walk around it the wrong way, or were they fully trying to look for it in a different location in the building? I think it might have been in its like own separate room or something. I'm, oh, I'm not okay. entirely sure. Yeah, I thought that the whole like we'll go in the order we got here thing 
was kind of stupid to begin with because once again this is a lawless game and i'm a firm believer not to go all don't hate the player hate the game on you but i think whoever gets there first gets there first you can't try and control you do very much always say that don't hate the player hate the game whether it be monopoly or this monopoly we sport so yes and that as Team Guido is leaving. They're walking past Frank and Marguerite and David and Brennan, and they try and confront them. They're like, what happened to going in order? And then Team Guido just simply ignores and keeps walking. And I think I would do the same. I'm not good with confrontation. I would just keep going. I, yeah, difficult situation to be in because I would feel too guilty. I would feel way too guilty. I would, I would honestly probably be apologizing. I'd, I would just be saying, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Well, I, I got to do what I got to do. But I feel like Team Guido is definitely being set up as the villains of the season in this episode where they they go back on their word like quite a few times and also with them being so confident about being in paris because we learn or we hear that they lived in paris for two years about a million times and then to them they have the language getting too confident margarita has the language skills as well but i guess she didn't obviously didn't live there so and you're yes. at a bit of an advantage but i think also you feel a bit yeah i guess a bit co- not cocky a bit um well, I think they did come off as a bit cocky in this episode. That's true. But I mean, yeah, you feel like you're at home. You feel like you yeah. kind of have an upper hand compared to everybody else. And then, yeah, nothing really happened on the other side of the D2 where they just walked up Notre Dame and rang the bell. How many steps is that, though? Because, I mean, they're not going give to you, give you such a difficult task if it's that easy. Well, I mean, just looking at the building of Notre Dame, it doesn't seem to be a very tall building. Very searching. No, it's not a skyscraper. The total climb is, this is just from a travel site, is 387 steps, but there aren't many places to rest. 387 steps. Okay, I can't really conceptualize Um, what that is. I feel like that's a decent amount. That's a decent amount, yeah. (laughs) Nothing too, like... You're going to pass out because of it. I mean, people seem to be out of breath by the time they were at the top, but I don't think it was a struggle. I think it's a mix of adrenaline, nerves, and yeah, a little bit of just kind of the being worn out from running up the steps. I think being exhausted at the top is a, a combination of all three of those factors. Yeah. Okay, so moving on from the detour, they're told to find a man in a blue suit. And then this is where we have our roadblock where people have to suit up and navigate the underground sewage system of Paris, and they have to travel two blocks oh my underground God. in the sewage. This, okay, when they were showing this, honestly, I wouldn't have a problem with the rats, I wouldn't have a problem with the sewage or the garbage, but the thought of being in the sewers absolutely terrifies me. I was watching the series Supernatural this summer, and there's this creature, it's a, a shapeshifter, that just dwells, the first time you see it, it just dwells in the sewers. But because it's a shapeshifter, every time it takes on the form of somebody else, it sheds off the previous form it has. So you see this creature for the first time and there's just piles of almost like dead snake skin, but it's human skin everywhere and it's just living wow. in the sewers. My imagination would take over and I'm done. I'm gone. Like, I'm sorry, Andrew, if it was if it was you and me, I, I'd make you do it. I'm not touched. I'm not well, going down anything- there. Use that to motivate you to get out of there as fast as possible. I don't think I would get out. I think I think I would just we would we would be taking the Nervous penalty. Breakdown. There. We would be taking the penalty. You've really been bringing in bringing in the references here Pop on this culture. podcast. Pop culture icon, I guess. 
I mean, I thought this detour, I thought it was very cool, actually. I thought it was cool to, like, see the underground sewage system and them going through it. And how many, I don't know how many times you can give props to the camera people, but they were walking backwards with cameras in these tight spaces with things that it seemed very easy to trip over, and it seems quite dangerous. No, no, yeah, like, all, all of the kind of fear and um, nerves aside from that task, you know, taking myself out of it, it's a very impressive task, and it's actually quite a good one. Yep. And, yeah, just the effort that the sound recordist and the, the camera person must have had to yeah. to do, which something else I, I was um what I was wondering about, because is there one sound recordist per team, or, or sorry, one cameraman per team, or two? Because you've got shots of one of the team members through the sewers and shots of the other one walking above ground so that was something i was a little, a little uh, stumped on i feel like they have general camera people like at each like position Station at each he's... task yeah i feel like that would make the That's most sense probably it so yes overall i thought this was cool no it was cool it was definitely it was definitely really interesting i think this is probably my favorite task we've had so far i thought it was quite oh interesting really to watch wow them navigate through but i mean our tasks so far have not been anything revolutionarily entertaining although i no. think the batoka george one was kind of cool batoka george <laughs> yeah do you have a favorite task from any season of the amazing race you can recount oh my god i'd have to really rack my brain do you have one while i think <laughs> i do i do have okay. one and it's one i think about a lot it was I want to say it was the regular Amazing Race, the American version. They were in Poland, and the challenge was this, in this big apartment building, and they had to run around to different apartments and get certain types of... Da- I forget what the Danish is called, forgive me for that, but with different cream flavorings on the inside. And I don't know, I just thought that was the best task ever. You're running around an apartment getting different types of Polish pastries. I, I loved that. I, wow, I think that's about so that a jill, lot. Dear. I really wish I had one, but I can't think. I, I think about this one all the time. Every time I get a donut, a, a Danish. You, that that comes up in your brain. Every time. Well, okay. Anything else from the day block? Uh, no, the roadblock was pretty straightforward. Nobody really struggled with it, I don't think. The only note I will have is, obviously, a lot of teams kind of got there around the same time and were going through it um, at a pretty fast pace. But then we had the two teams behind, which were Dave and Margareta and Pat and Brenda, who Pat and Brenda obviously arrived quite late and they had obviously seen that all the boots yeah. and the coveralls were all used up. But I love too, they just had such a positive attitude about it, even then, yeah. which, is, which is why they were one of my favorite teams. They were just so positive about everything. And I think that made it so much more heartbreaking when they got a women's suit. I know. With everybody arriving there, I think somebody said that this is the first time really where a majority of the teams were in the same spot and just with everybody rushing to who can get their suits on the fastest. It had kind of level. I remember we made a comment about this last week, how we thought we were going to see a very clear divide in the teams and their ranks, which I think still was the outcome. But for a moment there, I thought, oh, this has all gone like gone to pieces because everybody was at an equal level and you thought oh, this really could go any way. And I mean, ultimately, they completed that task they were told to go to this um guy in a blue suit standing in front of was it a palace or something or a hotel it was a hotel i think and he would give them a clue and they were supposed to get on this train and all the teams got on a train except for dave and margareta and pat and brenda so then again it continued that everybody was on a level a level playing field and the train was it was going to where it was going to 
the south of France. I don't know how to pronounce this, but it's Le Beau de Provence. Something, yeah, I think then, that's correct. But the train was going to yeah. Marseille, wasn't it? And then you take a taxi from Marseille was what most people were going to do. Yes, but there's also some drama at the train station where Team Guido is helping other teams and they say, okay, we're going to help you guys. So you need to remember this. And I'm thinking if somebody said that to me, that just puts a bad taste in my mouth. Can't you do something nice for me and like not make me feel like I have to owe you about it? I feel like you you in that circumstance would just be like, no, we're good. We don't need help. And would just yeah. walk away. Because I don't want to feel like I have to owe you later on. And then this all gets erased because they go and ditch the rest of the teams anyway, where everybody's headed to the wrong train. And then they turn around and then one of them like calls out to the other people and they're like, no, don't tell them. So I feel like they just completely undid any good work that they did with the other teams and made themselves look worse in the process if they didn't attempt to help them at all. Yeah. No, that's, again, it comes back to, you have, I think at some point you just have to help other teams. You do, and you can't backstab them because that puts a target on your back. But you have to just keep this kind of level relationship with everyone where you're not going to go out of your way, but you're also, you're not going to try and actively get other people out. It's just that weird balance. Yeah, yeah. And that just made the other teams more bitter. They were saying, they were acting like how the Guidos were acting all nice to them and then just went and essentially betrayed them. Yeah. But yeah, everybody is on the same train, seemingly. And then Nancy goes and her little accent, well, I, I just think somebody didn't make the train. Cut to. Cue the extremely dramatic and suspenseful music as we cut to David, Margareta, and Pat and Brenda. In that moment, I remember thinking, oh my goodness, it's our two teams. I know. I know. Both of our teams didn't make the train. This is where they bring up a lot of tourists take the train to, how do you say it, Marseille, which takes longer. Marseille. But, but locals get off the train at Avignon, which is closer to where they need to go. Because the taxi from Avignon to the, the palace or the castle ruins the pit stop was at is actually closer than where the train ends, which is Marseille, the taxi from there to the, the castle. Yeah. And they say, yeah, locals go to Marseille. And does does anybody have any idea if anyone was a local? Did we hear if anybody has ever lived in Paris for any amount of time? I think though, I think all of them, everybody who got off at that stop, which was Team Guido, Robin Brennan, and Dave and Margarita, correct? Just those three? I think they all got uh, that information just from speaking to other people, correct? So they made it seem like Team Guido already knew, but I don't know if they did. But they did say that Rob and Brennan were talking to someone who like was from the area. And then they told him, or he told them to get off there. And then Rob and Brennan told Frank and Margarita because they're still an alliance at this point. I think they have a good kind of dynamic between the two of them. You know, they're, they're doing their own thing and they're very much on their own. But they do kind of give each other those little bits of, of help. That's kind of the situation I would want to be in with other teams. Yeah. And also, Dave and Margareta, despite being on a later train, they also get off at Avignon as well and beat the other teams. They they pulled an impressive comeback. They did. Yeah. It was genius hour. Genius hour. Wow. <laughs> yeah. That hour, they just full on geniuses. And then also, Frank and Margarita, when they were in the car, were talking about how they don't really want to work with Robin Brennan and how like they were just using them for their language skills or whatever so i guess that seems like a little bit of a divide in the alliance but i don't know like isn't that the point of the alliance so you can use each other's skills 
I guess so. Yeah. And I mean, they, they've been, they were really good about kind of dividing up those tasks and helping each other out. Yeah. Throughout most of, most of the leg without being too codependent as, oh, we have to stick together all the time. Right. Which is nice, you know, go yeah. at your own pace, but then lend a hand when you can. So we get to the castle ruins. So this is Chateau de Beau, which is the incorrect way of saying that, but it's the way I'm going to say it. And Kevin and Drew are in first because of the fast forward, obviously. And I don't know how I feel about having a fast forward in every leg. Because I feel like it takes away the fight for first place. Because whoever gets the fast forward is automatically going to be in first. And then everyone else is just aiming for second. That's true. I mean, I think Kevin and Drew played the fast forward very well in this episode. They knew where they were at. They knew what the task was and they took advantage of it. I don't know if I would have done the same play with a fast forward, but it definitely would have been something I would have considered if I hadn't used it already. But yeah, you can definitely see how the fast forward has changed and become such a, a rare thing in, in the in the episodes because it does yeah. kind of just throw everything off. And then we have Frank and Margarita in second. I think that's the best they've done so far. Robin Brennan in third and Tim Guido in fourth. They're keeping their spot in the upper echelon, I guess. Yep. And then Dave and Margaret in fifth with the comeback of I the century. I'm very happy about that. Right in, the, right in the middle of the pack, they are. And that's I think that's where they've kind of tended to be. That's where you want to be, I think. Yeah. And then we have the the underdogs that they proclaimed themselves with uh, Paul and Amy in sixth, Lenny and Karen in seventh, Nancy and Emily in eighth, I, and then I loved, and, and, uh, in ninth. Yes. I loved there was a moment on the map because Paul and Amy, Lenny and Karen, and Nancy and Emily all checked in at the same time. And Nancy just said to all of them, I'm so proud of you. Like, just such a, a sweet, <laughs> or what was it? I'm so proud of you. Such a sweet, like, true mom type line. I just thought that was yeah. so nice. There's hugs and high fives. I just thought, oh, that's so nice. I feel like there's something to be said about a bond that's made between teams who are at the bottom and constantly fighting. I feel like they all have a common goal of wanting to dethrone the top teams, you know? And they're just they're trying to pull each other there. up. You know, you're not trying to put anybody down. So I'm, I'm here for this little, it was very wholesome. It was very wholesome. And then even the elimination, I want to I wanna make a take here. I don't think Phil oh. was actually there when uh, Pat and Brenda were eliminated. Oh, wow. Was it, was it just voiceover? No, because the only shot you see of Phil is about chest up against a... And he kind of steps into the frame. But you never see him with the two of them. And, you know, he says the line. But if you watch it back, and maybe this is just my film brain going, but it's exactly what you do when the character doesn't have anybody to, to talk to. You know, you just want to shoot the one character. So you just have them stand there and deliver the line and there's actually nobody there. If you watch it back with that in mind, because you never wow. see Pat in the same shot. You just see Phil kind of step up into one frame. And he goes, Pat and Brenda, I'm sorry to tell you, you have been eliminated from the race. And you really don't see him again. And then it just kind of focuses on Pat and Brenda talking to their camera team. Wow, that is a great notice. I fully believe you, even though I, I can't remember that. But I feel like you're correct. But do you think this could be because Pat and Brenda were there so late? Because it seemed to be like very dark by the time they arrived. I think there's a good chance that, yeah, maybe... I don't know why Phil would have left or maybe it's just the take they had. They were good or you know, there were some reasons yeah. it didn't work out, but they just decided to, okay, we're just going to shoot this because we know Pat and Brenda are the team that are, that is going to be eliminated. Interesting. You know, and I mean, I don't think they introduced these in this, in this season yet, but because obviously when the Canadian version started, there's the non-elimination rounds, right? And I found it a way 
very early on to to tell if it's an elimination round or a non-elimination round do you know do you know how yeah. that works you know that you know the little it's, trick yeah instead of saying like if you got at eliminated the right the away they like ask them a question or you're just saying something else at the beginning of the show there's Safe. always the you know the little brief explanation of the rules but then the voiceover of the host will always go usually goes and the last team to arrive will be eliminated but on the non-elimination rounds it's the last team to arrive it could it's either may or could be eliminated but i think i thought they always said that like every single time they say may don't they i i thought there was a difference watch me watch me put this fact out there and then be completely wrong but it's something i always listen i don't think i feel like i think they always say may well, you know what? I will look like a fool for this episode, and we will we will do some research and watch some more modern episodes because they didn't start this yeah. now because I don't think they incorporated non-elimination uh, rounds okay. in the first couples. Well, speaking of that, though, I was looking, and there are thirteen episodes in this season, but there are only eleven teams, so I think there has to be a non-elimination. Thirteen episodes, eleven teams, unless the finale is split into a couple episodes, like two or something. But even then, because in your finale episode, there's three teams, right? Yeah. Interesting. Well. So I think we may see a non-elimination coming up. Oh. Well, then maybe we can test my, what I thought was a fact, or it could be a theory. Yes. But yeah, that's the, that's the race. That was this leg. And where are we headed, where are we headed next week? Um, seemingly grown, because they mentioned a coliseum. Oh, yes. There was some fire, too. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, the only notes I have for next episode is that there's another Polynesian meltdown. And then I also just have Rome, question mark. That's it for that. All right. Well, we will find out. Yeah, but I just want to say again, I feel so bad for Pat and Brenda because they didn't get eliminated because of their stupidity. It wasn't their fault. It was just an unlucky mistake. Honestly, yeah. if the clue had been more clear, they probably would have still been in first or second. Yeah, they were a fun team because they were out in front. They started the slag in first place and first to last. It's like that. So yeah, did you have any concluding thoughts on this episode or anything moving forward? Not really. It was a lot of waiting, which was different than kind of the first couple episodes, which I feel like was a lot of travel. Following travel, following people getting places. This episode was a lot of, I mean, a significant portion of it was just watching them sleep till it was 9am. Yeah. It was a di- definitely a different piece than previous episodes. Yeah, and we didn't get an airport scene. No, my no beloved airport scenes yeah because we stayed in we stayed in france in paris for the majority of the time yep but i'm excited to see where they go in the future okay well thank you for listening if you have any comments or questions feel free to email us the email is in the description yep. box amazing race rewind at gmail.com let us know also we have launched our instagram page so go follow us on instagram at Amazing Race Rewind, I will be posting clips and updates for when our episodes are out. So go over there. We're having fun. I'm having fun at least doing my little clips and uploading them. So yeah. <laughs> I can tell you've enjoyed that. <laughs> follow us, email us, do do what you gotta do. Follow us on Apple Podcast, Spotify. Give us a good review. It'll help us. And that is it for us. We will see you next week with season one, episode, episode four. four. Okay. See you next week. Bye.